0: Coach, before we start this episode, I just want you to know that I love you, and thank you so much for your mentorship, your leadership, and your guidance. Thank you for opening up those doors. Thank you for helping me through them. I'll be forever in debt to you for the great leader that you are. Coach Brian Crookham, the Senior Director of Soccer Development for the MLS Colorado Rapids, and also the general manager for the Colorado Switchbacks of the USL. Pretty big job titles, but I promise you if I was a betting man, that's not how Coach Crookham defines his life. The reason why I say that is when I was 16, I had the honor and the privilege to play under his guidance. He was my high school soccer coach. I remember specifically him telling us, be good sons be good role models, do well in school, study hard, and the rest of it will take care of itself on the soccer field. And it did. 20 years later, I reconnected with Coach Crookham. Over Thanksgiving in 2018, he took time out of his day as he's driving through Colorado, stopped in, had a coffee. We recorded a podcast. As we were recording, it brought back so many memories. He talked about his journey. I asked him about his morning habits. He talked about his life. I asked him how he wants to be remembered. A few weeks ago, Coach Brian Crookham got inducted to the Oklahoma Soccer Association Hall of Fame. Me and a couple of my teammates were there to witness this great moment. What was that journey like for Coach Crookham? From a high school coach to a collegiate coach? To now, in the Major League Soccer circuit, episode number 29, you'll want to listen to it. Today's special guest is Coach Brian Crookham, Senior Director, Soccer Development for the Colorado Rapids, the MLS, and General Manager for the Switchbacks in the USL. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Oh, man. It's been so long since I've seen you. Probably around fifteen or so years. You coached me in high school. I saw you on Twitter recently, and I've followed you for quite a while. And man, it's so good to have you in studio today. Well, it's good to be here. It's it's so fun to be able to come back where where a lot of things started
1: for my career, and uh, you guys were a big part of that.
0: Yeah. So how's the wife, twins, and you have three kids, right? Three kids. I've yeah. got a sixteen-year-old boy and uh, twins
1: that are a boy, girl that are thirteen. Uh, my wife is a saint. she keeps us all in line and uh while I run around the world and play soccer coach or whatever I do now uh, <laughs> she uh she keeps everything in line for us she's still
0: teaching she is okay she is what what grade is she teaching high school high
1: school so, yeah she does uh high school math and uh it's unbelievable the what she gets through the amount of work that she gets during the day and uh, the amount of uh Running around she takes care of at night is uh, unreal. So, yeah. Very appreciative.
0: Yeah. I listened to a an interview with you from a radio station in Colorado a few weeks ago, and you guys made a huge announcement. You're the general manager of the USL Switchback.
1: Yeah, it's been um, you know we were we're a club with the Colorado Rapids that really value our our player development program, and part of that is making sure that there's a pathway for young players to not only succeed as as youth players, but also make that transition from the youth game uh, into the professional game, and it's a pretty big jump going from. The academy level to the mls level so mm-hmm. having that usl piece in between is going to be a, a big one for us and it's it's not only our our academy players that need that sometimes it's the young pros it's the guys that come out of college it's you know anybody that needs for lack of a better term a little bit of mm-hmm. remedial work that'll allow them to uh be successful long term mm-hmm. um and so Now our ability to loan players to the USL team under our guidance, um, that that ability is going to be enhanced. We had a great relationship in Charlotte um, that helped us with a lot of young players. We believe that the setup being close to home with our USL relationship now is going to uh, allow us to really take off in that area.
0: Yeah, so you have a full development in the true sense that you have a USL team and the MLS team, and you're able to loan players back and forth. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And and the the cool thing about it is that you know the Switchbacks aren't really they're not a developmental team though. You know they're right. a team in USL that have got to win games, and um, the standard is very high in USL. Yeah. So it's not like we're easing them into it. These these are situations where these guys have got to go uh, earn the the right to play every day as well. So it's um, while it well it's a step in between for us because it's the second division in, in U.S. soccer. Mm-hmm. It's not like a minor league program. It's not like a, uh, a, a step down in, in intensity or anything like that. It's simply a different division. So yeah. it's uh, it's a pretty exciting um, exciting challenge for the players and a great opportunity for us to, to expose them to professional soccer.
0: Yeah, speaking of the USL, Oklahoma City, we have the energy and they play at an intense level. Uh, you know, Coach uh, Jason Hawkins, he's a general manager here, which relationship with him? How do you guys communicate? Well, obviously,
1: I've known uh, I've known Jason since uh, the days that I coached down here (laughs) and more. And and he was a student athlete and uh, through everything that went on there. And I think over the years, we've we've kept in touch here and there, and especially when uh, uh, I've been working in that USL arena for the last four years with our relationship in Charlotte. And so, of reconnecting with jason and uh, has been great and i think you know we discussed off the air that uh, i've got a lot of respect for the way oklahoma city has has built their programming and um, the way they've created a foundation within the community here that uh, will allow them to be successful long term and i think they've got the right people in place um their philosophy has been tremendous and mm-hmm. i a ton of respect and i know jason's been a big driver of that and they've got a supportive ownership group and now they've got a head coach uh, that i've got a, a, a tremendous history with and a good friend of mine in steve cook and his a bunch of guys on his staff and I, to be honest with you i think they've got uh, a formula in place where they'll they'll be able to get it right long term
0: yeah yeah they the energy I love it in a sense, in a true sense, and no pun intended, but they're in the community. They provide a lot of just mental energy, literally, to
1: our community. Yeah, I think all their connections to the community, and they're standing there in the community every day, and some of it's offshoot things like their their fields projects and some of the pieces that they've done that you don't have to do to run a a team in USL championship, Mm -hmm. um, but... They've done it and they and they've they've really been invested in this community and I think it's really neat to see and, and it and it gives them a real chance to be, you know, successful over the long, long term.
0: Yeah. So with the general manager of the USL team, the switchbacks, are you nervous about it or how are you going to approach this?
1: Well, I think like everything <laughs> else, it's a process. It's yeah. you know, you have to define what you want out of it. Um, look at the building blocks that need to go in. In place to get there, I think we looked at that same challenge when we built uh, our academy, mm-hmm. um, and all of the things that go with that. And, and quite frankly, you know, we're not that old as an MLS club. Right, uh, we're an original, but uh, the league has changed. And, and you know, understanding what you what you are, understand what you're not, and then focusing on the things that you are, um, and and how you build those, it, it's a it's a process that you have to go through every single day. Um, and same thing is going to happen in Colorado Springs. We've already got uh, a great head coach in place. Uh, Steve who has been has done a great job down there over the last four years. Um, and so hopefully we can bring something to the table that will enhance the whole package for, for those guys. We know that uh, this setup will help us with what we want to achieve. And so every day we walk into the office uh, knowing that we gotta get better today and uh and and hopefully we have a process in place that'll allow us to do that.
0: Yeah. Speaking of getting better every day, coach, you've coached soccer for a very long time. Uh Brian Elliott, you remember Brian coach Brian Elliott, right? I yeah.
1: definitely remember Coach Brian Elliott. Yeah, because he,
0: he coached at NSU, Northeastern mm-hmm. State, in Tahlequah for quite a while too. Right, yeah. yeah. No, no, Brian Elliott was
1: a uh, – Brian Elliott's the reason I came to, to Moore when uh, when you were there, and um, he hired me uh, as his JV coach uh, a long, 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 long time ago, <laughs> and, and my first real uh, coaching job. And, and so – I was able to spend some time with Brian, uh, a couple of nights ago. And, uh, you know, somebody that's special to me and mm-hmm. not only the fact that he gave me the opportunity, but I think when you look at people that influenced your career, um, the way Brian handles people, um, the, the, the way he values people that are part of the organizations that he works with, um, that was a, a real takeaway yeah. in working with Brian. So big influence on me and somebody that, uh, I know, left a, a lasting legacy in this community as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of influences, my wife and I were having this conversation this morning because I was super excited to see you today. And she's like, what, what do you think Coach Crookham really likes about just his life? I was like, well, I, I really feel like as long as he's making a influence on his surroundings, positive impact, I, I feel like that's probably... One of his biggest goals. And for me, you've been a huge influence in my life just as the way you the way you coached, the way you talked to us, the way you kinda of just directed us on the pitch. And then more importantly, you were focused on our grades, laser focused on our grades. And that's that's next level stuff.
1: Well, I think, you know, anybody that's gonna be successful long term, you gotta get all the details right. And um You can't get too unbalanced in anything you're doing in life and uh i was like i said i was fortunate to have people that influenced me as a coach early on that allowed me to see those things and Mm -hmm. see how important it was and you know i think when uh back in those days um being part of the school community which meant that you know we were trying to have players that were good citizens all the way through the school players that teachers respected because they showed up to class, even if you had a late bus trip or you, you know, you (laughs) didn't feel like going to class. Um, You guys always knew we were watching and and that you were, you were expected to be in class. You're expected to do that work because long-term, you know, that holistic approach to development was going to get you guys to where you need to be, which ultimately um, was our job as the staff, was to provide you with that opportunity to be successful long-term. So. I, I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate you uh, saying that we're an influence, but I think, you know, once again, it's we provide an opportunity and you guys walk
0: through the door. Yeah, we appreciate that, sir. Speaking of influences, and you've got this title of being in the MLS, being in the USL all the same time, married, three kids. What are your morning habits now? <laughs> uh
1: I don't know. I think I think since honestly since my kids were born I think I I always go to bed probably feeling like I've done what I can do today. Yeah. Um and I always get up in the morning panicked that I haven't done anywhere near enough. And, and that's, <laughs> that's 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 kind of the way I, I approach it. Um I think what I've learned um because in, in my world because I've got my hands in so many different areas of our, our business, um, with personal life that, that intrudes in all of that as well, if Mm -hmm. you can say intrudes. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I've learned to do is get to the office, um, as early as I can and, but carve out a couple minutes when I sit down to, to reprioritize because you, there's a, there's a want to go very task oriented and just start ticking things off um but to and sometimes it's easy to tick off unimportant things and and leave the big things not dealt with, and so I think two things making sure that I understand what I need to accomplish today to to really move us forward mm-hmm. is one, and then the second piece is attacking those things um early in the day, especially if there's something that you don't really want to deal with yeah if you get it out of the way early um the rest of your day is that much more productive you know yeah. if, if you if you have to deal with things that you didn't want to deal with and you keep putting them off and you, and it's always on your mind it, it affects the way um it's it affects the way you attack everything else on that list so right. i think organizing your day making sure that 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 um it's organized in a manner that that still focuses you on what the big picture is is, is really important and uh, i i struggle with that because yeah. i want to i want to just go Tick off boxes and cross things off that to do list. That's mm-hmm. uh, a never ending, and and so when I do a good job of that, I think is when I'm probably the most effective.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or do you how do you find time for yourself so you can gather your thoughts?
1: Um, mm-hmm. The
0: reality in my life is that it, a lot of times it's when
1: they close the airplane door, it's when my cell phone's got to go off, mm-hmm. um, and I or, or it's a couple minutes at night it's, it's those minutes when you first get to the office and, and, uh, shut down because, you know, like I said, we've got, uh, not only a lot on our plate from a, from a work standpoint, but got a family that's very important to me and and they've, they've all got tremendous things going on. Uh, not just the kids, my wife, everyone, um, are very accomplished and it. And it's, you know, to, to be able to share those moments is, is pretty important. So, um, I, I don't know. I, th- I think, like I said, a lot of times it's when they close the door on the airplane putting the, he- the headphones on and uh, and just having a deep breath. Maybe rewriting the to-do list. Maybe, you know, smiling and thinking about, you know, the little accomplishments that mm-hmm. we've come to uh, in the short term and the long term. But uh, it's not easy.
0: Yeah. No, it's not easy. It's life is it's fast-paced, and in your world, I am more than certain that it's super fast-paced, hyperspeed. It's fast. <laughs> Speaking of accomplishments, you uh, are a big part of the Global Down Syndrome Foundation. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm a big part
1: of it. I, I'm a big believer in it. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think I'm a little part of it, and we've been. Uh, uh, I was uh, at first exposed to it when a when a friend. Um, who had a, has a a daughter that was born with Down syndrome mm-hmm. and um, I was able to learn a little bit more about um, children that are born with Down syndrome, was able to do a little bit of work and uh, was fortunate enough to be a part of a project where we started uh, a program called Dare to Play Soccer for Global Down Syndrome Foundation. Mm-hmm. And um tied something I knew a lot about into something I knew nothing about, but. Yeah. Uh, Really knew I wanted to be uh, to to assist with, and uh it has been fantastic and I don't give enough time um I don't give as much time as I'd like to to the organization, but i'm uh eternally grateful for them to allow me to be a small little part um when i can be and uh it's been been very good for me. To be honest with you, it's been very good for my family. My 13 mm. year old daughter has a, a real passion for working with kids that are differently abled. Um, and I think that long term, she sees herself um, working in that role as a career. And so, not only has it helped me um, take a dif- different perspective on life and um, really enjoy the, the work that I've done there, I think it's influenced. Uh, how my my kids see it as well
0: yeah i i think that's important you talked about you know you don't know if you give enough time just any time period i feel like it's admirable and it means a lot to the organization it means a lot to the kids obviously your daughter's making a huge impact at the age of 13 you know teaching and understanding and when she gets older man it's she's probably gonna have her own foundation she
1: has every (laughs) intent of having her own foundation yeah she I don't know if she's counting on me to fund that or what but we're uh, <laughs> we got to work through some
0: details i like to coach so outside of soccer coaching and being the director and the general manager what else do you enjoy about life travel yeah i i'm very fortunate to be
1: able to as part of my job see a lot or almost all of the world i mean mm-hmm. it's been uh, I've been very fortunate to, to travel around the world, not only for work, but for, for pleasure. And I think it's, um, it's definitely shaped my views on people, on the world. Um, I'm I'm a lot more, uh, I don't know, I have a lot better understanding of what really happens in the world because Mm. of, of being able to be out and be exposed to things that um, you might read about in a book and and turn the page and forget about um you know i think uh travels a, a lot better educational tool than sitting in a classroom and so i feel like i've i've gained a lot uh, from that so I, I definitely do enjoy that um i sometimes enjoy traveling by myself on a yeah. motorcycle around and <laughs> and like you said uh putting the headphones in and and taking a little bit of time for myself as well but uh those are that's that's a piece that uh, without that I, I'd definitely be a different different person have a different view on the world.
0: Yeah, I like it. What what do you what are the different views? Let's say because you worked on all the continents in the world, right? What are different
1: views? I well, I was trying to explain this to somebody the other day the the big FIFA corruption scandal and and um, set is a bad guy and how could how could people ever vote for him um, it, to retain him in FIFA and, and all the things that go with that and uh, there's a story that that I was involved in I was working in in Jamaica in in kind of inner city Kingston uh, with a club there had a fantastic couple of days with those guys and one night we did a training session and it wasn't uncommon where we were it off in the distance you'd hear a gunshot or you'd hear something like that it's just a it's a rough part of the world um and and a fantastic part of the world but um you know inner city Kingston is 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 tough sometimes and um the next morning i, I had a a lady come to me in kind of tears and she said something to the effect of um You know, I'm so thankful that you guys were here because my nephew was here last night at the session and um, he wasn't with his buddies and his buddies were shot um, Mm. and killed a couple of his, his friends, a couple of guys he ran with and you real, you don't realize how the fact that they had something else to do that night um, gave this, this get an alternative to running with his, his buddies that were in trouble mm-hmm. and ultimately kept him out of trouble a, on a night that uh, could have really gone wrong for him. And then I bring that up because you go back to the to the sub bladders and that these are people that are sub Blatter gets votes by putting a, a turf field with lights somewhere in the middle of Africa. That changes the world for those people. Um, So whether you see him as a, you see that as corrupt or you see that as buying votes or whatever, ultimately it may have saved a life or changed a life or or given people hope that didn't have it. And so when you look, it it just teaches you to look at both sides of the coin and understand Mm -hmm. why people might support somebody who the vast majority of one segment of the world thinks is an absolute crook. And um, this is why people would support somebody like that uh, because he he actually had the ability to change their world and change their lives and potentially even save lives by throwing a a field a gathering place for kids uh into the middle of an area that didn't have it when their alternative is go around run around and get in trouble so you know i think those things those are lessons you learn in life by there's certainly no plan to go into that situation and and learn about that but that that's something you experience and you go man uh the world's a little bit more complex than i i think yeah
0: yeah you you mentioned just giving someone tools and and here here's a door once you just walk through it and i can help you i coached boys competitive soccer for about 14 years and i always remember a lot of your teachings especially off the field and I've identified when I coached like some kids that were in a little bit with the wrong crowd. You identify this because you kind of hone in on them and say, "Hey, why don't you come play soccer?" And some of them couldn't afford it. However, you know you put them on scholarship, then play for the club as long as their grades are up, as long as they don't get in trouble. you can come play soccer for me any day of the week, and that's the mentality I took, and a lot of that's come from you, coach. I appreciate <laughs> well, that.
1: I appreciate that. yeah for I, sure. yeah I mean once again you can you can do all of that but it comes down to the individual to taking right. advantage of that and yeah. um and you know the the more you lay out the tools for people to use hopefully they, they're able to pick them up and use them and run with it
0: maybe. yeah i love that take that's a really interesting story yeah. about kingston and about your take on set bladder that's amazing and think yeah. about that doesn't necessarily
1: change my view of how he does his business but it, it it, but it changes my view of the people and yeah. other people in the world and the way they see, of see course. that. And, and that the way we do it here isn't always um, practical for the way it gets done everywhere else in the world.
0: Yeah. So we'll stick with the theme of soccer. You've been to how many World Cup finals?
1: <laughs> I've been to seven World Cup finals. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. I, uh, I have a friend, uh, actually an old coach here from Edmond, Oklahoma, that uh, J.B. Belzer, he and I have uh, – been able to uh been fortunate enough for sure to to travel to the last seven we we got we stumbled upon uh, tickets to the 94 world cup final when it was here right in the u.s and then uh, it became a small addiction um it has taken <laughs> us to uh to france and in japan and to south africa and germany and brazil and now russia so yeah it's been uh uh, it's been
0: quite a ride yeah. being able to do that. So, so you've been the the last seven. Mm-hmm. What's changed as far as the atmosphere over the last seven?
1: Interesting. Uh, that's a great question. I think, you know, um, going in, you look at the atmosphere. There's a lot of things that, that affect the atmosphere, the home team. France ninety eight France won in France. I mean, and, and I'm not sure the French people cared a ton about it until about the semifinal stage, and then, the, <laughs> and then it, it built in in the night of the final. I mean, that was it was incredible. Um, you know, you, every atmosphere was very different. the 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 tensions and the and the understanding that you're under a world microscope. Um, when you're in a place like south africa and and nelson mandela comes out i mean the fact that you just being able to see him show up to a field um from 100 yards away is pretty powerful and understand the power of, of that um it, you know brazil and what are the infrastructure things that are going to be legacy pieces for brazil that became the talking points in a lot of of things there and russia i mean You know when i grew up russia was behind an iron curtain and and, you know the kremlin and and the red square and all that stuff were things you saw on in a book and and they and they represented a different kind of evil and to be able to walk up and and see that and and so for me atmosphere is related to a little bit to to my own personal experiences and what i wanted to get Mm -hmm. out of it as well and and so I, I think the some of the tensions, the, the, the political tensions that go along with it, certainly create different atmospheres or the fear that if, if we get in a fight with Russia over the next six months, maybe my streak of going to world cup finals is over because maybe they won't grant us a visa.
0: Yeah. I see, you know, and,
1: and so some of those things are play into it too, but it's, uh, you start, you start worrying about things that have nothing to do with the game. Um, but, uh, yeah, incredible experiences, all for their own reasons, and all for their own. Um, they're all self-contained to mm-hmm. me, you know. Been been great experiences. Which one's your favorite one? I don't have one. They're all they're all
0: great for a different reason. I love it. All great. All great. I was thinking you'd probably answer it that way, Coach. <laughs> yeah, that way I don't have to choose. Right when you're the director of player development, you see hundreds and hundreds of thousands of your players over your whole career. And each person, each player has their own unique ability and the way they look at soccer and in life. What's your message to new players that come in that, that go come to tryouts? What what message do you deliver to get their buy in? Um I think They've got to be committed to the process. Um
1: is the biggest thing. And and I think it's especially because we deal with some young athletes, um, their their families have to understand that it's a process and that it's it's gonna be if you're a ten year old, this is this is probably an eighteen year journey to where you go to the peak of your, your powers as a mm-hmm. soccer player. And there's gonna be some highs and some lows in there and every single player is going to sometime end up on a bench or injured or dealing with some type of adversity that, um, the good ones, the ones that get to a really, really high level will deal with that, put it behind them and be better for it. The ones that don't, um, deal with it and put it behind them and, and and become better for it are the ones that won't be there at the end. And, um, so being, committed to the process of developing as a player is really important and i think the other piece of it is we when we look to identify players i think it's it's really become obvious now and, and you used to just talk about soccer traits about physical traits or technical tra- traits or their ability to see the game right i think the psychological piece and, and, and an intrinsic motivation to be successful is key um We have probably two types of people um, that we deal with that are successful. There are people that are so intrinsically motivated to be successful and so desperate to succeed because of something inside of them that nobody's going to stop them. Or we have people who are so extra, they're, they're influenced by an outside force with that same desperation, maybe it's their only way out. Maybe it's their only way to college. Maybe it's their only, you know, way to, they don't see any other way to be successful except, and, and so then they're, they're desperate to succeed through that way. But you have to have that desperation to succeed, whether it's intrinsic, extrinsic it, factors that, that drive it, you've gotta be desperate. And that's something that we struggle a little bit with player development in mm-hmm. our country. Is that you can't manufacture that desperation it's got to be real yeah and if you try to manufacture it um it becomes false somewhere and whether it's a parent who really wants their kid to succeed or it's whatever that situation is if it's not authentic um, because of one of those two sides i think it's um it probably a big limiting factor in in their ability to succeed long term so talent will take you So far, um, talent is very necessary, Um, but that work and that and that desperation, I think, is uh, is the thing that puts you over the top.
0: Yeah, you always seem like you're wanting to learn and and better yourself as a person, Coach. Are there a book or two that you'd recommend reading? All of them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I I I believe that I, I I spent a lot of time in my career. Uh, especially the kind of middle part of my career, worried only about what I thought my own philosophy or, or how to get the X's and O's right. And I think I went through a a period of my career where I didn't read enough. I didn't, I didn't spend enough time looking at outside people and how they could enhance what I'm doing every day. Um, And I think over the last probably the, the whole time I've been um with the Rapids organization, so probably the last ten years, I think I've done a better job of trying to connect um through um whatever it be, podcasts or mm-hmm. or, or whatever it is, books, um and, and reaching out to to find other sources that, that keep your brain sharp, sometimes only to justify the opposite view. You know, you can find a book that that'll That'll give you both both sides of one equation, and you've got to figure out, you know, which side you might lay on. Yeah. And um, and so, you know, like we were just talking about, is it is it talent? Is it motivation? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's where where does that scale balance? And you you can find you can find literature or research that'll tell you exactly one or the other. And the truth is probably somewhere in between. And but but understanding that. You know, reaching out to not only books or, or I don't know, um, scholar type pieces is is important, but mm-hmm. reaching out to people that are in the field and and do it every day and create their cultures of success uh, is is probably the best way to observe it. Is is people that are that are putting it in practice?
0: Yeah. Speaking of cultures, how are you creating your culture? Um, I think you know. We've been able to create a
1: pretty clear um, pathway for players. So it's it's pretty obvious what, um, what the pathway is going to be. I think we've tried to inject that pathway with information that will allow a player, if they take that information on board, uh, to keep progressing. Mm-hmm. I think we've um, tried to put staff that is educated but have practical experience in in getting that information to the players so it's one thing having the information I can hand a curriculum to anybody um, but not just anybody can can get that curriculum broken down into bite-sized pieces and shared effectively with the players that they're they're working with um, so getting the right people to deliver the information is key and then wrapping that all inside an environment um, that creates minimum standards you know mm-hmm. standards that are going to uh, be non-negotiable if you want to be really successful long term yeah you know so so creating that whole package is is really important and as as you do that and people buy in then you've got translators for your message and yeah. um, and I think You know when when you hear somebody on the field, and even better when it's not a coach, when it's a player that can then recite or bring somebody back in line by um, uh, by talking in in the same language that you'd like to talk with your philosophy and your culture. um, Then then you know that it's kind of permeated everybody.
0: Yeah, I like it. You've recently had four players or five players come from your. Youth or academy into the rapids that's a huge success that's a huge win it's a it's a win it's not yeah. that,
1: you know we we have to keep getting better every day our goal is to have you know probably a third of our game day roster comprised of of guys out of our academy and mm-hmm. we're to do that we've got to consistently be putting guys in into our first team um, you know we've got a twenty eight player roster we want six of our 18 that are named on game day to be to be uh from our youth system and um we're not there yet we've got a long way to go to to ensure that that happens in and week out um we have an ownership group that has been very committed to that we've got um, a leadership team in our organization that that has made that part of the philosophy yeah and um you can't you can't fight against those two things so we so we certainly have uh the the tools or, or the the key components in place to do that and then it becomes about using the resources that are there to uh to try to to try to achieve that goal and mm-hmm. so yes we've had some success but we we would say that we're only just getting started on that on that journey and um and Wanting to uh, every single day try to try to push the envelope and make sure that eventually uh, our our squad is very very influenced by by players that have been in it, and then you go mm-hmm. back to culture. Um, then if if you've got a lot of homegrown players, that means that the culture of the club and the, the ideals of the club will start to come out, and, and it's a lot easier to integrate those players because the expectations are the same from the first team all the way through the academy. Yeah man
0: i love it coach yeah. what were what a couple things that you wish people knew about you aside from being a great father the director develop of player development general manager wow um
1: first of all got to be careful on the great father thing <laughs> 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 work work every day to get better on that you know yeah I think, I think that's something that's constant is that you know as a father or husband you have to you have to work really hard every day to uh to make sure that that is in balance and and, and the people that uh quite frankly support you and help you get to where you are are getting the attention they need so i'll, I'll back out of that i'll I'll take a little exception to that. Um, I think those guys would be the judge of that, I guess. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think that, um, I'm just somebody who wakes up every morning, pretty driven to, um, hopefully be a, a, I don't know, a key cog in, in success of any group that I'm around. And I think hopefully, uh, holding standards and, and being a part of that, I'm probably, I would probably be considered pretty old school. And, you know, I, I, I show up at work and I feel like if that's your job, um, you don't need to get patted on the head every five minutes and, um, you know, a nice tap and a, and a button on your shirt. Cause you did your job today. I, I think you, yeah. you know, I think I enjoy being at work with a lot of guys that, that feel the same way that, that show up and they don't need to be, told every day that they're doing a fantastic job, that the the results tell them that. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, maybe I don't fit in with every, uh, as as the boss of every millennial that's out there, because yeah. I, don't, I, I, I still have a pretty old school approach to it. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, I, there's probably not a lot to, you know, outside of that. That's, yeah. that's me, it's pretty simple. I, up, I think that's fair. Get up fair. in the morning and work hard and uh, probably as I get older, probably hopefully work smarter. Yeah. Um, you know, continue to work hard, but work smart.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. um, I think sometimes you, you get carried away with just pushing as much weight as you can instead of being on a plan. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think you have to work hard, then work smart, because without working hard, you don't understand what can you do to gain efficiencies throughout your life, throughout your day, with your team.
1: That's it. That's it. And and you have to have that perspective. You have to have some experience to understand what working smart is, and still gaining that
0: experience. Yeah, it? I think we all are, coach. What's one question you wish someone would ask you? I tell you, one question I wish somebody wouldn't ask me is that one.
1: Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's a lot of silence on this uh, <laughs> on this podcast. One question I wish someone would ask me, Um, probably, you know, how's your family? I I, I work in a world where um, sometimes that gets that gets totally missed. And I Mm -hmm. think uh, and I'm terrible with it, to be honest with you. Um, I don't spend enough time asking our guys uh, that we work with those little questions as well. But I, I think a genuine when somebody asks you that with genuine interest, I think that's I think that's big because um, our families can get forgotten in this uh, in this rat race. So that's probably it. How's your
0: family? I love it. That was my first question. There you go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for asking
0: that. Yeah, for sure. I'm all I'm interested because you are you know you are very accomplished. You're up there doing what you want to do you got your passion professional job but you have to have if you're married you your wife your spouse has to be on board your children have to be on board someone makes sacrifices and there's a balance there yeah i mean there i think i think one of two things
1: happens either it's in it's something that's all consuming for your family and they're on board and they're not only on board but they're they're part of that process and they're mm-hmm. every day some days it's they understand why I'm sneaking in the back room at Thanksgiving and watching players on video, yeah, or um, why I've got to get on an airplane and go do this or or that um, and miss a play or a birthday mm-hmm. or something like that, and and that that's a that's a big part of it. Or you're going to lose the whole thing. I, I think I think it's an all in or an all out thing. People can't can't straddle that line and and i've been very fortunate to find some someone in michelle that will that's on board that will help be a translator for that message on days that is tough and i'm sure there are days where the kids are going what in the world's he doing today mm-hmm. when he could be here with me um yeah. and i know that she does a good job of translating that and um you know the the only other alternative is uh, you end up isolated, kind of on your own without that that support. And I, in my by no doing of my own, I've been in a fortunate situation where uh, where I have that
0: support. Man, I love it. On your journey to coaching soccer, what's a setback that you might have had or two, and how did you overcome them?
1: Uh, There's probably a thousand setbacks I've had. I think I probably had the most um, opportunity to learn when I was coaching at the college level. I I was a college coach for nine years. um, On the back of a really, really successful season, we came back and and had a a very average year and a lot of frustration in our team. And I think um, part of it was I didn't have a great finger on the pulse of of our group I was doing a lot of things I was building a lot of things both in soccer and in our athletic program and um we did a survey of of the players and said look I don't want your name on it I want you to be brutally honest I don't care what you say I don't care what kind of language you write down I want you to just be honest and man when I opened that packet there was a lot of things that were really sharp in there um and and cut a little bit and i think that that um was really healthy for me Mm -hmm. it was really good to especially on the back of having some success and 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 doing well to understand why you fail and have some people direct some very sharp and, and there was there was plenty of things to to share with the entire group but you know some pretty sharp criticism coming straight back at me from the group It was fantastic um it it was hard at the very beginning but it was it was pretty eye-opening and and um and very needed and i think being open to dialogue that um and criticism and if you get that on a constant basis it probably doesn't have to be sharp uh very often you know if you're if you're always able to take that and i think i had created an environment where that wasn't getting to me kind of in the run of play so Mm -hmm. then you figure it out at the end and at the end it's too late to to deal with it or to to help yourself um, get through those things so I think I think that was one I think the other one I think I've also been in a situation where organizationally I was um, uh, in a situation where there were some people that were 100 percent on board with an organization and not 100% 100% on board with the organization. I think there there was a time where I allowed people to come to me um, with some gripes and complaints and I wasn't that guy that needed to take that. I needed to redirect those people. So indirectly, I was allowing a culture, to a subculture to build um, because of my position or because of, of where I, I was in the organization that I, cu- I could have done more to diffuse Division within our organization. I think it took me stepping outside of that environment to understand where that was. So I think yeah. you, know, you learn every time, and I think you, you have to you have to see where things start to tilt one way or another, and then and then be really positive in the way you react to that stuff. And sometimes when you haven't been there, um you don't know how you're going to react. So any any time you think about your career, I think rehearsing some what ifs. You know, if somebody came to me with this how would i react and mm-hmm. you know i talk to my son all the time about if when you miss that first field goal you yeah know, how are you going to react are you, you going to you know throw your helmet down or are you going to turn around and and uh think about what you did and, and refocus and go again you know and so yeah. or do you let things spiral so mm-hmm. i think those are a couple of examples of things that i've learned throughout my career and, and are certainly going to be better in handling situations in the future
0: that's great advice it's the whole mental side of it, like your reaction, you do you want to react emotionally or go through some check downs and think through it logically. And if you start reacting too emotionally, if you miss a fill your son misses a field going throws his helmet down and all of a sudden it's a chain of reaction, people are like, dude, what what's going on? But if you keep your helmet on, you're focused again, like, okay. It's kind yeah. of like soccer. You recover from your mistakes.
1: Or if yeah. you're a parent and and your kid the first time your kid doesn't start a game, how are you going to react? Yeah. It's gonna happen. I'm telling you right now it's gonna happen. What's the first question you ask the kid or what's the first piece of advice or, or is it coach doesn't know what he's doing. You should be starting. You know, does that, does that help your son get through that, you know, that piece right. of it or the first time you get injured, first time you get caught. Um, does that mean it's over because mm-hmm. you got injured or because you got caught or because you got put on the bench or does that mean I'm refocusing, I'm learning and I'm going and then what kind of questions do you ask to, as an adult or as a mentor or as, as a leader within the organization, right? what kind of questions are you asking to refocus people on uh, bringing them positive and helping them succeed and not just fall off totally? Yeah, that's brilliant. Dang, that's why you're a coach. That's why you're <laughs> a great father and husband.
0: Once again, we can go back and debate some of these <laughs> things. How does Coach Crookham contribute to society? I'd like to think that, um,
1: I, I it definitely doesn't show all the time, but I, I certainly care about the people that I interact with, and I care about how um, I don't know how we develop as a as a society, mm-hmm. and I think probably on a daily basis I, I try to live and and um, help hold high standards to the people that i work with yeah um that's what there's an idealistic part of that yeah. and there's a practical part of it is that sure. what i really do every day i don't know i you know that's for somebody else to judge but uh i don't know that
0: makes that, sense to me. i i enjoy enjoy working with the people i work with so that's how i contribute i think that's that's awesome because it's the trickle-down effect that it You enjoy them and they enjoy you. Then they, outside of their work environment, they're happy with their family. They're happy with their friends, wherever they're going. So if they're enjoying their professional life, then that personal life takes care of itself, I feel. Yeah, yeah, I agree. (laughs) Defining moments, Coach, you've had several. So would you mind taking our listeners through some of your defining moments in your life, personal or coaching, both?
1: Yeah, I know. I know. I we had a couple of discussions on some things that uh, probably influenced me the most in my life. I, th- I think the first one for me that I remember as being a real defining moment when I was uh, when I was 15 years old. My my father is a certified flight instructor, and and uh, I grew up around airplanes. And when I was 15, I was out shooting touch and go with my dad, and at one point he just said, "All right, we'll stop here." little little grass strip airport and he opened the door to the airplane uh-huh. he said uh don't crash or your mom will kill me <laughs> and uh close the door and that was my cue to go solo um what? at the age of 15 age of 15 i was i was only, i was about two months away from being legally able to do it so it's yeah. pretty close and at the time you like it wasn't it, it was impactful to me because to be honest with you then you're very focused on the process. All right, this is what I gotta do. Here I go. It's a little bit of nerves, but it's more about the process there. And I think that meant that I was ready to to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um but I remember taking off. And once I got through the process of taking off and 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 getting in an the air, I remember having this feeling of I don't know, accomplishment, a big smile and looking out. And there was this freedom to the whole thing. Yeah and then when i came around and i landed and i didn't crash and i didn't kill anybody <laughs> um you know I, I think it was it was pretty it was almost unsettling after i got done with it because it was like i never i never realized where i was in the, in the process of being ready to do that
0: uh-huh.
1: and i think that goes back to my my father and his teaching i always think back about did, I don't remember him ever saying you got to do this or you got to do that. And I watch uh-huh. so many people when when they're coaching that every move a player makes, or or in practice every move a player makes, um, the coach or the parent or somebody's dictating what they do. Well, at some point you got to be able to get out of the airplane and let them do it on their own. Yeah. And so at some point he stopped grabbing the the controls. he stopped, He stopped having his feet on the on the foot pedals. And he knew. He probably knew for for months that I was able to do this, and I had the support of it. I knew he was sitting there, but I didn't know how much he wasn't actually doing for it. And I think that was, at the time, it, it didn't have a, a significant impact on me. But probably 15 years into my coaching career, I brought that story back into my head, and I realized that you know early days he was probably doing a lot of the work for me and getting me used to it and late days he found a way to wean himself out of the decision making because at some mm-hmm. point he's got to he's got to get out of there and let me do it and i think from in a sport like soccer um being able to step out and letting them fly by themselves yeah. is, is really important and um like i said it probably took me 15 or 20 years to uh to relate that to what I was doing, um, and and I I do remember him asking questions about the process, and what do we do now? Well, we pull on the carburetor heat. Okay, he would ask the questions and make sure that I knew what I was talking about instead of saying, "Pull on the carburetor heat now." Wow. And and I I can I can put that together now, and so that that was that was really impactful to me, but only in
0: in in that sense only twenty years later. Yeah. Oh, so man. Wow. What about soccer? I need defining moments for your soccer life. Oh, there's so many. Yeah. Uh
1: there's so many. I don't I don't know. Um I, I think just coaching in general. I I mean look, I to get into the to the sport, um we mentioned earlier Brian Elliott and you know, I had a an uncle who was um coached American football and He had taken a trip to russia with um back in 1989 russia was a very different place and Mm -hmm. um, he was trying to think about ways that he had taken a bunch of american football players there and um he was thinking about adding soccer to it so he said hey you want to call the high school coaches around and and try to put a, a team together that does that as well and i ended up having a conversation with brian elliott cole didn't know him and told him I was trying to get into coaching and, and this and that's honestly the cold call related to that experience gave me the ability to come in um to more and become a JV coach and mm-hmm. work my way into to the coaching staff there and it, it's funny how that works but just having the 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 uh I don't know having the guts to get on the phone and and make some phone calls and and not know exactly where things are going and. And jump in and then to be honest with you then got in with the right people that that valued the right things and we've talked a lot about valuing people valuing process valuing the relationship piece of it and um i think i was from day one in my coaching career very positively influenced by those things yeah Um, and so uh maybe that was a defining moment for me um when it comes to when it comes to the sport itself. Um, you know, and then then from there I, I picked up and and left a, a great thing here in Moore. Um and went to Colorado to take on a coaching job that didn't even pay uh a third of what it paid what teaching and coaching in more Oklahoma would have paid and, and yeah. because I wanted to do it, I wanted to challenge myself and uh mm-hmm. uh that it, it was a tough ride from a financial standpoint, but an awesome ride for me. Uh in in that so you know those that those are things that that really define my um i don't know probably the the traits that i needed to be successful and be desperate enough to see those things out and uh, try to try to earn a place in that coaching world
0: man i love it you you got a lot of passion you're you're driven and very logical and the logical side is when you're flying that plane and your dad's asking questions, you went through your own mental checklist. What I have to do pull on the carburetor, et cetera. So that's logical. The soccer coach side, I, what I gather is you're driven. So that's emotional. And you made that phone call, which is logical to do. And from JV coach to high school coach to collegiate coach. And now you're a general manager, professional player development for an MLS team. That's, that's fantastic. It's it's been a good ride and like I said it's
1: to I I I think about how I got to the point I'm I'm at a lot and it's actually pretty simple there was a pathway available to me people asked me all over the world you you wait you're from Oklahoma you're in <laughs> professional soccer okay I I that, well I had I had a pathway available to me and it's the same things we talked about as priorities and the way we look at player development but for my personal um development or my career pathway Mm -hmm. it was available to me i had i had people who gave me opportunity gave me the information that i needed to have the education i needed the connections the foundations all those things were available to me and and they were able to help me kind of assemble me yeah as i went through that process and and so um yeah i was pretty motivated to do it but None of that happens without the people that, that um, give you the opportunity and the, and the tools along the way to be successful. So, um, And I don't, I don't even really know that I've accomplished much. I know that I've, I've continued to move down that pathway. So uh, I'm pretty grateful to everybody uh, that's, that's been a part of that
0: journey. Yeah, a positive and humble coach. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you. What is your path forward?
1: Uh you know what I I get asked that a lot especially at my dinner table and um I don't know I think I don't think I've ever I was going to be a high school coach for the rest of my life um and that lasted about you know that lasted 6 years and I <laughs> and I was I was out of that so I I don't I think that I've always been somebody that looks at that journey um one step at a time okay and whatever door opens in front of me i evaluate is that the one that i want to run through or 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 do we need to be patient and keep going and i've been fortunate i've had a lot of things to look at and, and um you know it's, for whatever reason i i I've, I've feel pretty comfortable on the on the path that i've that i've chosen each time and um i can't really tell you because the landscape's changed a lot when i when i went to colorado um to coach college major league soccer didn't exist yeah so i don't know what opportunities not even created in front of me yet and so uh someday i'll probably be uh, uh hanging out on the beach in costa rica um as it, looking at the sunset and uh just quietly washing away into the ocean but uh <laughs> between here and there i i couldn't tell you because i i don't know what's Uh, I don't know what opportunity is going to present itself. I don't know uh, how my family will um, shape those opportunities as well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm extremely dedicated to the process that I'm currently involved in and, and happy with the people and the environment that I work in. And so that's something that I'll have to take on when it comes up.
0: Man, I love it, Coach. Last two questions for you. How do you want to be remembered? somebody that
1: just worked hard and and cared about the people I work with. Probably. I I think that's, um, those are two traits that I can control. Um, and two things that are are pretty important to me and, and are a bit in my DNA. Um, and, uh, that's, that's probably it. Did, did, did he work hard enough? Did he care about the people he worked with? Um, that would probably
0: do it. Yeah. I think the answer is yes. I mean, you're sitting right across the table for me and I haven't seen you in a decade and a half. And it's amazing. I'm so honored to be here, coach. Appreciate you. I feel the same. Yeah. How do we get in touch with coach Brian Crookham? Um, well, it's easy.
1: Uh, Brian. Crookham at com. with any, anything people want to talk about, uh, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts and a lot of things go a lot of different directions, uh, from these podcasts. And and you start, once you start thinking about it, you think about how it affects you or or what your experiences are. And so I'm happy to talk to anybody, uh, about anything that's, that's come up on here. So once again, my first name, dot last name at uh, Colorado com, And then, uh, I'm on Twitter at Brian Crookham. Um, and that's that's probably it. I'm not fancy enough to get it too. My daughter is my instagram page uh, editor, so there's probably <laughs> a lot of selfies of
0: her on there, and that's about the extent of it, so you probably won't get a lot out of that. yeah my wife does all the Instagram, all the social media, yeah, I interact, but as far as post, yeah, I'm not good, yeah, I'm not good, yeah, she does everything. I'm just a host,
1: I understand <laughs> that. Too.
0: Well, Coach, thank you so much again for your time. I appreciate you, and I look forward to just this continued friendship. I very much appreciate (laughs) that. Thank you. I'd like to acknowledge my wife for making this podcast amazingly unique and super special. And to our guest that's taken the time and gathered up the courage to come share their story to the world. I truly hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have a defining moment or moments you would like to share please reach out to me i would love to visit with you about it and share it with the world on a podcast here's how to find me visit my website www.definingmomentspod.com follow me on twitter at def moments pod that's at def moments pod search me on facebook defining moments podcast follow me on instagram at Defining Moments Podcast. That's all one word, at Defining Moments Podcast. Subscribe to Defining Moments Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed listening to this show, I would be extremely honored if you gave us a review. This helps boost this podcast so more people can find it. Go out and be a positive influence today, every day. Make someone smile. My name is Wong Lam, Can I prove this podcast?